Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to talk about being happy today, so I'm glad that you are here uh, with us this morning. Uh, I want to ask you this question. If we were going to start by saying, okay, what do we need to start to do to be happy? Uh, Many people in our culture would say, okay, well, money would be a good place to start. Many people would say time would be a good place to start. Even in our sex-crazed culture, would say uh, people would say that sex would be a place to start. But I would tell you this today, that the best place to start to be happy is relationships. I would dare to say this to you, that it is impossible to be happy while your relationships are unhappy. Would you agree with that? You know, there's a statement that says, goes like this. You help me finish it. If mama ain't happy... <laughs> nobody's happy. So someone got that a long time ago, right? So, and I would say this, that you could have, you could have money, you could have fame, you could have all that stuff, but if you're going through a divorce, I would dare to say you're not happy. If your kids are going through a crisis right now, you got a, maybe a teenager that is, that is just rebelling, I would say you're not happy. Or maybe you have a parent right now in your life that, that just decided to go off the deep end. You're not happy. And so those are the places that we start is with relationships. Now, today as I begin this, we're going to go through the book of Philippians. It's a book that is written by the Apostle Paul. And the amazing thing about this is that he's writing this from a jail cell. He's in prison. And because of the good news of Jesus Christ, he's being persecuted. But as he writes this book of the Bible, it is the happiest book in the whole Bible. And as he writes this, We're going to learn some things from him as to how to be happy. And so if you'll just go ahead and take out your program, you'll see that it says this. To be happy, I must. I want to give you four things today that I believe from the Apostle Paul's writing that will help you and me be happier people. Number one, be grateful for the people in my life. You will be far happier in your relationships, and they will be more enjoyable when you become grateful for them. Now, if you don't get anything else I said today, say today, if you get that, it will change your life, change your relationships. Paul goes and writes this in Philippians 1 and 3. Look at it with me. It's on your outline. Thank, I thank my God every time. What's those last three words? Would you read them out loud with me? Come on, you ready? I remember you. Paul was saying, I thank God. He was saying, I thank God for the good things. I thank God for the good things. He says, I focus on the good times we had. Now, I want you to understand this, that marriage dies when you quit doing that. Your relationships begin to tumble in a way that you can never imagine because when we, when we start dating and when the children come along, you know, it's all this grand and glorious. It's all about the happy things, the good memories. 
But as time goes on, that tends to change. And, and so I would dare to say you to, to, to you today is that, listen, the thing that we have to do is we have to focus on the good things. It's amazing how that you've, got, you've had so much good happen in your marriage. You know, in your family with your children, you've had so much good to happen. And that, but the things that get highlighted in our minds and in our hearts are the bad things, isn't it? And so we have to take the highlighter and change it and highlight the good things. The problem is this. The problem that we have is this, is the longer that we know someone, the more we take them for granted. Would you agree with that? Begin to take them for granted. Not only that, the longer that we know someone, the more we begin to find their faults. <laughs> oh, come on, somebody. Oh, the longer that we know someone, the more that we remember the bad times. We quit thinking about the good times, we start thinking about the bad times. I mean, remember, remember when you were dating, it didn't matter that socks were on the floor. It didn't matter that, that you know, the toilet tissue was hang, hung in the restroom that it, it rolled under instead of over. It didn't matter, right? That was, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that the toothpaste was squeezed in the middle instead of rolled up. But the longer that we're together, the more that we begin to look at the bad things that irritate us instead of the good things. So we have to begin to change our thinking. Paul goes on to say this. And Philippians 1 and 5, I thank God for the, would you read these last couple of words together right here? Are you ready? Help you gave me. Let me ask this question. Have you forgotten what others have done for you? Remember when people do things for you, you, you remember the feeling that you get, like when someone does something very special for you, you get the feeling, you know, it feels good. And sometimes in life, we have a way of forgetting the things that people do for us. Because the, the line becomes, what have you done for me lately? Instead of what you've done for me. I'll tell you the way that you have joy in your relationships is you begin to recycle those good thoughts about what people have done for you. Quit thinking about, you know, what they've not done lately, but what they have done. It changes everything in your life. And it's God's way. You can't be grateful for someone that you're taking for granted. You just cannot be. We have to change that. It's amazing to me that Paul had a very difficult time in Philippi. In Acts chapter 16, he begins to talk about how that he was arrested, how that he was beaten, and how that he was even jailed. But Paul made a decision as he's writing this about them. The first thing he starts off is talking about the good things. In other words, he made a choice. Not to rehearse those painful, horrible memories, he made a choice to talk about and rehearse the good things in his life. The great, God has given you a great power. It's the most powerful thing on earth, and it's within you, and it's called the power of choice. You get to choose. What's amazing to me is, is that I've discovered in my life, and maybe you've discovered this too in your life, is that memories that are thought about and talked about grow. They grow. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves today, which ones are we talking about and thinking about, the good ones or the bad ones? 
Because the one that you talk about the most, you know, we all have thoughts that go through our mind about bad memories. Sometimes we can't forget that, but we have the thought. And listen, here's what I've I've discovered. If you quit talking about it, it'll begin to die. But with the more, you know, if you keep bringing it up, you know, I remember when they done this to me and they done this to me. I remember this happened and this happened. And all you talk about is the bad news in your life. Then, friend, you're going to be miserable. Very unhappy. Very unhappy. So today, maybe the first thing that we need to do is learn to make a choice. I choose to remember the good. That's what I choose to do. You know, the bad, yeah, it's all there, but I just, when someone brings up that conversation of the past, I just, we just got to nip it right there in the bud and say, you know what, I don't want to talk about that anymore because I've already forgiven that. I've already forgot about it. And matter of fact, sometimes when people bring stuff up to me, uh, I would say this, listen, you know what? Do I remember that? Yes, but I'm working very hard to forget it, so don't bring it back up. Maybe that's a good line for all of us. So the question that I would ask you today, who do you need to be more grateful for in your life? Maybe they're sitting beside you right now. Who do you need to be more grateful for in your life? Okay, let's look at the next one. To be happy, I must. Number two, pray with joy for the people in my life. Doesn't it encourage you to know that someone's praying for you? I mean, just to know that someone's praying, doesn't that encourage you? You know, what keeps me going is people praying for me. And I, was, I must tell you, these cards that we have every week, we call them our connection cards, and on the back of them is a prayer request. And our staff prays over these cards every week. They are, this is serious business at Stockbridge Community Church. I just want you to know, this is serious business. And when I get those cards, and I look on those cards, and I see, pray for Pastor Jeff. When I see that, I want to tell you, that just, my heart just swells. And I thank God that people in this church are praying for me. It just does something for me. And I, know, I, know, I believe that it does the same thing for you as well when you discover that. And that's why Paul, again, in Philippians 1 and 4, look what he said. And we're going to read the last three words out loud together. He says this, In all of my prayers for all of you, I always, you ready? Let's read it together. Pray with joy. Oh, I'm about to tell you something here. Before I do that, Think of someone who irritates you. Now, don't look at them now if they're here, right? Just keep looking this way. My question is, is do you pray for them or do you pray about them? Oh, there's a difference. <laughs> you see, when you pray about someone, you're praying, God, they're always blah, 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 blah. God, you need to straighten them out. See, that's praying about them, right? God, they're always hateful, Lord. They're always mean-spirited. God, they never think about me, God. Blah, 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 blah. And you go on, that's praying about someone. And guess what? That doesn't make you any happier. That makes you more miserable. If you're praying like that, I just say quit praying. Why? Because you're reminding yourself of how horrible that person is. 
in your prayer, when you, you think you're doing something good, you're not doing anything good because you're rehearsing all the bad about that person and prayer is killing you. But when you pray for someone, oh, when you pray for them, you say, God, would you bless them? Isn't it amazing how Jesus, how Jesus chimed in on this? He said, you know, when your enemies come, he says, pray blessings over those who curse you. Why? Because he wanted us to learn to pray for people instead of praying about our, about our enemies. He wants to pray for why? Because our attitude can never change as long as we're reminding and rehearsing ourselves of how bad they are. But when we begin to pray blessings for them and blessings over them and that God do what he sees fit in their life, then guess what? It changes our spirit about them too. And automatically our attitude begins to change. And, we, and when our attitude changes, we get happy. Okay. All right. We get happy. Now, I'm going to give you a secret right here. Positive praying is more powerful than positive thinking. Oh, that's a repeatable line. Let me say that again. Positive praying is much more powerful than positive thinking. Positive Positive thinking may help you. It may, and listen, you should think positive, right? It will help you. But it doesn't help the other people around you. It doesn't help them. Because why? Because you can't change anybody. You can only change you. So when you have positive thinking, it helps you. You can change your life. You can alter it. But it doesn't change everybody else. But this is what I want to say. When you do positive praying for someone, then guess what? It engages Almighty God, and Almighty God is the only one that can change people. You can't change them. And so when you pray positively for them, it changes them because God goes into action. Positive praying is a lot more powerful than positive thinking. So what should we pray? Well, Paul goes right on in the first book of Philippians, and this is what he says. It's on your outline. Look what he says. And notice the statements that are underlined, because those are the statements as to how we should pray. In, first, in Philippians 1 and 9 through 11, he says, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. So I listed them out for you in your program. Here they are. Four things that you should, you should pray for other people. Number one, pray they will grow in love. That's the first statement that's underlined. Number two, pray that they will make wise choices. Wouldn't you say that's a good prayer to pray for people? I mean, I think we all could use a good dose of that, as my grandmother would say. Then number three, pray that they will live with integrity, that they'll be people of character. And then number four, pray they will become more like Jesus. Now, if you're wondering, what should I pray for my children? There's four things that you should pray. What should I pray for my husband? There's four things that you should pray. Remember, this is, pray, this is how you pray for them instead of about them. How should I pray for my parents? This is how. How should I pray for my spouse? This is how. How should I pray for my pastor? This is how you pray. 
Now, why should we pray for people? Because praying for people keeps them on your heart. Praying for people keeps them on your heart. And this is what I found out. If people are not on my heart, they tend to get on my nerves. Anybody relate to that? The way that I, the way that we have to as believers is to keep people from getting on our nerves is we keep them on our heart. How do we keep them on our heart? Because we keep praying for them in the way that I just described to you. And when we're praying for them, they stay on our heart and they stay off of our nerves. And that's very, very difficult for me. I have to have the Lord to help me. So if I'm not praying for them, I'm perturbed by them. Would you agree with that? Isn't it amazing when you're praying for people how you have a little more patience with them? You have a little more tolerance for them? You have a little more understanding when you're praying for them, not about them? This changed my life, what I'm about to tell you, and it changed Rhonda and I's relationship. You know, uh, I grew up in a home that was a bunch of people that looked at negative things. Wonderful family, but we just tend to be negative. That means that, you know, even in our jokes, they tend to be negative. We laugh about, we say something, you know, that was comical, but it was always slanted to the negative part. And that's sort of inbred within me, and, and you know, that comes out at time to time. And so I, I, I was with a guy one time, he wasn't a preacher, he was, an, you, we was he just a person, or just a guy. And I wasn't with him just long. I just met, met him just for a short time. We had one conversation. He made this statement to me. He said, you know, one thing that I do every night is that I, I pray for my wife. I said, what? He said, I pray for my wife. He said, we get into bed. He said, I grab her hand, and I hold her hand, and I And he says, you know what? Even if we're fighting, even if we're having arguments, and we don't, it, the one thing I do is, is I pray the Lord's Prayer. If nothing else, you know, we at least say the Lord's Prayer. I thought, you know what, I'm going to try this. So I come home, I said, Rhonda, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray a blessing over you at night. I'd like to pray for you at night. She, and her comment was this, okay, as long as it's not two hours. <laughs> she knows her husband can be long-winded, right? She said, listen, I, I don't want, I, you know, she, and she was just honest, you know, hey, as long as it's not two hours, I don't mind it. So every night before we go to sleep, I've been doing this now for probably about two years, every night before we go to sleep, I'll reach over and take her hand, and I'll just say, God, would you just bless Rhonda? You know, just bless her, give her the desires of her heart, let good come her way, amen. And at that point, she has a choice she can say a blessing over me if she chooses to. She doesn't have to. It doesn't matter. You know what? Uh, then, you know, she can do that. And I can tell you there's been some nights that I reached over and grabbed her hand and said, Our Father, who art in heaven. <laughs> That's the truth. I'm not even kidding, you know. But what's so funny about that is about the time I get into Our Father, who art in heaven, usually we both bust out laughing and get over it, you know. But I want to tell you something. There's nothing so wonderful as to hear her because she prayed this for me a couple, about a couple weeks ago. It just really melted my heart. She said, God, 
I just want you to let Jeff know how much I love him. God, I just want you to let him know how much his kids love him. How much he's loved. Just let him know that. Man, if you don't think that will just change you, to hear the person that you love the most say something like that, it doesn't. So, today, I want to practice this. Men, I want you to say this after me. You ready? Every man in here, if, if you're married or... Uh, would you say this after me? I want you to shout it out. You ready? We're going to say this when I tell you to. We're going to say, God, will you bless my wife? You ready? One, two, three, out loud, man. You ready? God, will you bless my wife? Ladies, I want you to repeat after me. We're going to do prayer practice. Here it is. You ready? Ladies, I want you to say when I tell you to, God, will you bless my husband? You ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. God, will you bless my Now, was that that hard? Why don't tonight, before you go to sleep, just grab their hand and say that one prayer. You don't have to pray this, thou, us, nothing else. You don't have to worry about being stupid. And ladies, if he grabs your hand and he starts to pray that prayer, don't you say you're just doing that because the pastor told you to. Yes, he is. Don't you, don't you kill it. Men, if she reaches over and grabs your hand, don't you say, well, he's just going to do that because the pastor says, yes, he is because he's trying to do what's right and she's trying to do what's right. Amen. So your next step that I'd like you to take on your connection card says this. I will make a prayer list by writing down the people, the names of the people I want to pray for. Will you do that? Will you just check the box and say, I'll do that? I'll do that. Number three. To be happy, I must expect the best from people in my life. Making a habit of believing in people rather than criticizing them can change your life, as I just talked about in my life. Paul said it this way in Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What he was beginning to say was this, is that we have to change the way we think. He said, I, I want you to know I see good in you. Paul was saying, I know it's not done yet, but I know the greatness is in you and it's going to come out. He began to believe in the people he was talking to. So how do you bring out the best in others? I wrote it on your outline for you. Number one is believe in people. Believe in people. It's amazing to me, you know, if we had a child that was, you know, out running track, mature parents, when a person, when a kid is running track and they fall and they stumble, a mature parent does not go, hey, stupid, get up. Hey, you ding-dong, won't you get up? Why don't you do that? And our, our mature parent doesn't just leave the stands and goes and says, you know what, forget you, walk home. You can't do any better than that. No, a mature parent stands up and says, hey, honey, get up, you can do this. I know you can do it. Come on, they're their cheerleader. It's amazing when our children are smaller, we know how to do that, don't we? When our children are smaller, you know, and they're starting to walk, we stand on the other side of the room, come on, baby, come on, baby, you can do it, walk to daddy, walk to daddy, walk to daddy. 
But then they become teenagers. And once they become teenagers, you know, all of a sudden we say, you know, you need to do this. And all you do is this. We gripe and complain and, and we push them away. You need to learn to believe in them. Believe in people. We all need someone to believe in us. Would you agree with that? You see, it's not how we can change. Let me say it again. It's how we change, not telling it like it is, but telling it how it could be. The greatest words that you can use for somebody is that I believe in you. And mean it. And I'm looking at some people right now that I believe in. I'm telling you, I believe in you. Number two is this. Paint a picture of the future. As I think about this, we tend to live up to the expectations of people that we respect, don't we? Why not just raise a bar in someone's life by just saying, hey, I expect good things from you. Not you ought to do this, I just expect this from you. Why not raise the bar in their life? Number three is this. Be patient with people's progress. Now, this is one that I struggle with. You see, if you insist on perfection in people, you're going to be very unhappy. Number one, because you are not perfect. I have a news report for you today, a news bulletin. You're not perfect. So why do you expect everybody else to be? You see, when it seems like when, when, when everybody else begins to, to do something or, 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 or make a mistake, we just want to write them off because we think, well, they shouldn't have done that. Well, there's a lot of things you shouldn't have done either. So look at other people the way that, treat them the way that you want them to treat you, the golden rule. No one's perfect. You see, celebrate how far people have come rather than judging how far they still have to go. Amen? I don't know. I, I, have you met those people in your life to tell you, well, well, you're not there yet. I know I'm not there yet. I don't need you to tell me that. I'm struggling right now. I need you to tell me I believe in you, and I believe you're going to make it. You know, Paul was saying this. He was saying, listen, I see this good work that God's beginning you. It's growing inside of you. It's not completed yet, but it's going to be. You just stay in the race. You stay the course. You've got potential. God's inside of you. You can make it. Amen? You share those things that it changes people's lives. It's amazing to me. <clears throat> there was a study that was done. Over 5,000 people for 20 years, and this study showed this. It's been proven that healthy relationships and levels of happiness are contagious. Listen to this. Your happiness affects your friends, friends, friends' happiness. In other words, when you are happy... It affects people five people away from you. When you're, when you're expressing joy in your life, when you're living a happy life, it, it, it has a trickle-down effect to five people. And so listen, it may be, maybe if your spouse is not happy, maybe you should say, am I happy? Maybe, maybe if your children are not happy, maybe you say, am I happy? Maybe if the people that are working around you are not happy, maybe you say, am I happy? Happiness is contagious. You need to be around some happy people. And if all your friends are negative and down in the mouth all the time, you need some new friends. You need an upgrade. And that's why we have connect groups at Stockbridge Community. They start this week. 
If you've not made a decision to get in Connect Group, there is an there is a list of groups right here in your program. Why not put yourself in a situation to be around some people that are happy? We even have a financial peace group. We've got a parenting group going on. Our marriage group is full already. But any of the others you can choose from. Why not go ahead today and make that decision? Because today's the last day. We want you to be a part of that. As a matter of fact, uh, I put on your connection card there that you would check the box that says, I will be a part of a connect group, but if you can't, if you don't have an idea of, of who the, any of these people are and you'd like to do that, where it says this, it says, I will sign up for a connect group or help me choose one. Just circle the word help and we'll be glad to help you because I understand you don't know a lot of people around here. Some of you don't. We'll help you. Just circle that. Number four, to be happy, I must love the people in my life like Jesus does. In order to be happy. Paul goes on to says this in Philippians 1 and 8. God is my witness that I tell the truth when I say that my deepest feelings for you all come from the heart of Christ Jesus himself. Why was Paul so passionate about this? Because Paul started this church in Philippi. The Philippian church, he started it. He was their first pastor. It's like me. I've been, you know, I'll be here 20 years in April. And I can tell you that it matters. You matter to me. There may be other people that come through, you know, in this church, and, and they may think that it doesn't mean a whole lot, but I want to tell you something. I've invested my life in people like you, and I love you, and you matter to me. You matter. And so I understand how Paul felt. But the problem is this, is that we all want these amazing relationships, don't we? I mean, like, we have this grandiose idea of how relationships should work, and we think, you know, that we just have this picture in our mind, and we, as soon as it doesn't happen, then we throw in the towel. You see, we think we can put a relationship in the microwave and hit 30 seconds, and it'll be great. It'll be just like the movies. It doesn't work that way, baby. I just want to tell you that. It doesn't work that way. You want amazing relationships? Here's what it, Amazing relationships are the result of doing many things for many years that are not amazing. Did you hear that? Amazing relationships are the result of doing many things for many years that are not amazing. Let me tell you, it's not amazing serving your spouse and serving your children. It's not amazing giving care for them when they're sick and when they, they need somebody. It's not amazing, you know, sharing with them your, your finances and, and your time and everything else. It's not amazing going through pains and hurts and relationships. That's not amazing at all. It's not amazing praying for them. It's not amazing believing the best in them. It's not amazing trusting them. It's not amazing growing. It's not amazing going to counseling. It's not amazing going of financial peace with them. It's not amazing going through heartaches with them. None of that's amazing. But let me tell you, when you do those things over years, then it's those little things that are not amazing that bring amazing relationships. Amen? Amen. Give God a hand. See, amazing happens when you go through the process and you pay the price. People say, you know, I wish I had the marriage that you and Rhonda had, Jeff. Well, I do you want to go through what we went through? We've been through some junk, man. We've been through some difficult times. We, you know, we've about drove each other crazy. Our kids about drove us crazy, you know. We just about went crazy many times. But I'm telling you what, when you go through it and you don't give up and you hang in there with Almighty God and with each other, then in the end comes, you have amazing. 
It's amazing. You look at couples. We look at couples that's been married 50 years. We see how love in love they are, you know. They hold each other's hand or whatever. I've heard some of your stories of how much you loved your spouse and love each other. You know what? You don't get that in one year. You don't get that in five years. You don't get that in 10 years. You don't get that in 20 years. You get it over a lifetime that says, I'm with you no matter what, and we will go through the thick and thin of relationship together because I believe in you. And you are amazing. Amen. Amazing. It's what Jesus understood. Paul, or the writer John, wrote about it. We know, three, we know, for, we know John 3.16, don't we? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son to whoever believes in him will not perish but have every, every life. But John picked it up again. He said, here's what he meant. Look, at it. it's our memory verse. That means you memorize this this week, and it will help you become amazing. He says this, 1 John 3, 16, this is how we know what love is. This is how we know, not by what Hollywood puts on the screen in front of us. Mm, that's artificial. This is how we know what love is. Christ gave his life for who? For us. He gave his life for us. That means he wasn't looking at his own, looking out for us. We too then ought to give our lives for who? For others. When you quit making it about you, and it becomes about them, you're on your road to happiness. You see, I understand there's a problem in the room today. Some of you, you can't give love because you don't, you've never received amazing love. And there's nobody that can love you like Almighty God. And until you open up the channel for that love, then it can't on of doing the thing. It takes a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to have a prayer with you. Because every one of you in this room deserves the opportunity to know Jesus Christ. And to receive Him as your Savior. So this morning, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to pray a prayer today. And God knows knew that you would be here. And today as I pray this prayer, if you'll pray it with me and you mean it inside of your heart, when I conclude the prayer, sometime before we leave the service today, if you pray it with me, I just want you to check the back of this connection card that says, that I pray the prayer to become a Christ follower. Are you ready? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now I come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you will just do the work in the lives of people right now, Lord, that we all want to be happy. But we know that, Lord, we cannot be happy until we have love flowing inside of us. And there's people in this room today, God, that have been doing it on their own, Lord, and you've been speaking to them already. And God, right now, as I pray, Lord, they're saying, Dear Jesus, come into my life and save me. Forgive me of my sins, O oh Lord. As they're praying that prayer, Father, right now you're hearing them, O oh God, and, and the channels of their heart are being opened right now. And God, as they do that, Lord, they're becoming a saved, Lord, a Christ follower today. And they're going to check it on the box. And God, there's other people in this room today that are already believers. But Lord, they've given up, oh Lord. They, they've been negative in their home, oh God. They've focused on all the bad. But today, God, you've given an attitude, adjustment, an opportunity to change things. And when they walk out of here, they're going to be the men and women of God that you said they could be. And God, they're going to walk in the power of your Holy Spirit. And no longer, Lord, will they, they be bound by all the negativity of the world. But they're going to look at the joy of the Lord, which is their strength. God, today we pray this prayer 
in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, email me at jeffdaws at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.